0: Less than two months ago, over 40 men were arrested in northern Texas, charged with solicitation of prostitution. While federal authorities claim they busted a major sex trafficking ring, sex workers say it was all a ruse. So, due to the sensitive content of this episode, listener discretion is advised. Because you're listening to SoSo, hosted by Summer Orbin. If you're looking to replace underwear you've had since you were a wee high school freshman that aren't very fresh anymore, or are looking into more sustainable options without paying $90 for various shades of brown, Parade has got you covered in all the right places. Available in sizes extra small through 5X, Parade's underwear is made of soft, breathable, and recycled fabrics that are good for the environment and look great on any body starting as low as $8 and in so many different colors and patterns outside of sad beige. Join the parade today and save 20% off your purchase when you use code SUMMERORBANWRIGHTS at checkout. (music) On January 20th of this year, news broke out of a prostitution sting operation in Frisco and Southlake, Texas, conducted by Homeland Security Investigations in collaboration with local authorities. The operation resulted in the arrest of 46 men on the 12th and 13th of that month, facing upwards of two years in prison. While HSI and the agencies that worked alongside them prided their efforts, many sex workers took to social media to discuss their discontent.
1: So, Texas does what Oregon
0: does. That's Elle Stenger, aka Stripper Writer, Oregon native, parent, podcast host, ASECT certified sex educator, autistic, and sex worker.
1: They post fake ads on the websites that adult consensual providers use, um, posing as adults, and when another adult contacts them for what's usually like a sexy lap dance or a massage, or, you know, who knows, whatever the adults negotiate, um, it's actually a police officer that arrests them. Um, They get more funding when they call it sex trafficking stings, first of all, because a lot of people would actually be perturbed that their tax money is going to the prevention of adults paying for services, much like they do when they tip a stripper or, pay for pornography, please pay for your pornography. Um, Or, yeah, when they consume adult materials at all, which is not the same as sex trafficking, but that's why they do it.
0: Elle may not live in Texas, but does share the same sentiment as others in the state when it comes to stings like this. You won't have to look too far to find it, especially on sex worker Twitter.
1: Watch, it's one of those times where I'm wrong and it was like actually this like atrocious, malicious, like, you know... Network of people that were abusing children or holding people like actually captive or something And not people showing up to like an awkward 20-minute appointment where they thank you and like maybe tip you at the end There is a difference. Anyway, um, I I don't think I'm wrong
0: As I traveled further down the special interest rabbit hole I realized I needed to talk to someone with first-hand experience and at least 15 minutes of free time to travel down with me I unfortunately couldn't converse with Elle but I did find someone else to unpack one of the oldest professions in human history. Don't worry, it's not a hitman. After the break, unpacking with Caitlin. If you're looking to replace underwear you've had since you were a wee high school freshman that aren't very fresh anymore, or are looking into more sustainable options without paying $90 for various shades of brown, Parade has got you covered in all the right places. Available in sizes extra small through 5X. Parade's underwear is made of soft, breathable, and recycled fabrics that are good for the environment and look great on any body, starting as low as $8 and in so many different colors and patterns outside of sad beige. Join the parade today and save 20% off your purchase when you use code SUMMERORBANWRIGHTS at checkout. We're back, and with Caitlin Bailey. She's the founder and executive director of Old Pros. A nonprofit seeking to destigmatize and decriminalize sex work, and is also the host of the oldest professions podcast. In addition, Caitlin enjoys comedy clubs and the performing arts when she has the time, and even shared her sex work story in her one woman show, Contagious. I came
2: out and started telling my story as a sex worker in 2015, 2016, in as when I was working as a as a stand-up comedian, really, you know, going around to bars and and the basements and uh, places that make terrible nachos uh, all over the country, Um, talking about my experience as a sex worker. And that felt like um, a a very, a a safe space to do that. in. it's, it felt, it felt safe to sort of like develop uh, my, my story as a contrarian there. And then in 2018, um, Donald Trump, signed um, SESTA-FOSTA uh, into law. And this is, is part of a long legacy, really, of federal laws that are sold to the American people as a way to help vulnerable people, especially vulnerable women, vulnerable children, um, and save them from you know, uh, sexual exploitation. But of course, just like all of the other laws that are purported to do the same thing, this law didn't do that. It sought to erase adult consensual sex workers from the internet. And at that point, um, I had done sex work, right, Come from a place of curiosity and rebellion and, and sort of feeling drawn to sex worker stories, which has been an absolute lifelong obsession of mine. Um, and again, to subsidize my career in an actually exploitative industry, uh, stand up comedy, right? And so, um, you know, I did that. Uh, and, and so this law impacted me, and, and more importantly, I saw the way that it was impacting my friends who were doing this work. And at that point, I had started the oldest profession podcast really as a, as a comic and a history major and, um, you know, sort of trying to make my own way. And uh, I got activated. Um, and it felt very urgent, all of a sudden, to Uh, not just change laws, but change culture. And I looked around at all of the really smart people um, that I admired, you know, like in my circle, in my community, you know, people like Amy Schumer, right? Like became like the face of this SESTA-FOSTA campaign. And I was like, hey, you guys are really wrong about this. And looking into it, we've been really wrong about the oldest profession for a really long time. And this fundamental willful conflation of adult consensual prostitution the oldest profession with violent exploitation has made it harder for uh people that both do and don't do sex work right to like move have freedom of movement freedom of expression uh um but you have foundational freedoms in this country and it's made it harder to get services and support or assistance of any kind to actual victims right, we have been misdirecting resources towards this big thing, right, Uh, that we will never eradicate and away from people that really do need these services. And so um, I became the director of communications for decriminalized sex work in 2018. Um, And two years later, I started Old Pros as a nonprofit media organization focused on changing the story about sex work. And so we You know, we produce The Oldest Profession podcast, we produce these live shows, we produce uh, um, the old pro show, and what we do is we bring people together and we change people's minds about this issue.
0: When I asked Caitlin about the Texas sex trafficking sting, she first told me that in order to understand what exactly happened two months ago, we have to look at what happened four years ago in Florida. Specifically, when New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft was one of 25 others arrested and accused for buying sex acts at a day spa in the state, charges were dropped a year and a half later, and here's why. Five
2: different law enforcement agencies, including like the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security, right through a press conference telling us that they had just rescued uh sex slaves, right, from an international sex trafficking ring. What they did in real life is for six months, they put up uh, hidden cameras in legally licensed massage parlors oh, wow. that exclusively employed other legally licensed masseurs, some of whom, some of the time, offered sexual services, right? Which is not the picture that was painted for us, right? Of what was happening behind closed doors. Um, this has like a um, a really long history, especially focused on like um, Asian massage parlors. Uh, and um, you know, our, our first anti-prostitution law in this country was also our first um, anti-immigration law, the Page Act of 1875, which specifically barred Asian women from immigrating to the U.S. for immoral purposes. And so, what what happened with the with Robert Crafting was was classic, right? We were told that a sex trafficking ring was being broken up when in fact, everyone that was working there, um, was a consensual adult, uh, maybe sex worker, right? All legally licensed masseurs. Um, again, all over the age of 30, like just not, not people who were being, um, there was no use of force fraud or coercion and there were no minors involved in this case, but we were told that it was this like violent sex trafficking ring. Um, And then the police officers told us that they had rescued these women from some sort of bad situation. But if you fast forward, you know, that was three years ago. Um, The women in this case are the only people who were facing federal charges, they are still dealing with the consequences of the criminalization of their work, their criminal record, and two women were deported, they all lost their licenses, they all lost, you know, their source of income, their livelihoods, uh, they've been publicly humiliated and outed to their communities, their lives are not better, they are worse, because of the, this, uh, this raid, right? And so I think it's important for us to remember that when police, you know, and uh, departments or whatever issue these press releases describing what they've done as an anti-trafficking raid when in all likelihood nine out of ten times right 89 percent of the federal budget that we spend on quote-unquote trafficking goes to arresting adult consensual sex workers so probably what happened is these police officers arrested a bunch of adults doing adult things with each other um and you know of course, there are examples of horrific exploitation and violence, and one of the things that sex workers are fighting for is our ability to report crimes committed against us. Right? It helps if our work is not criminalized. Um, but yeah, that's that. That's sort of my feedback just for th- these kinds of uh, raids and the way that they're they're covered across the board. Is I I wish that members of the media and the general public reading this. Just asked a few follow-up questions to make sure that what they think is happening um, is, in fact, what their taxpayer dollars are being used to do.
0: I wondered if Caitlin thought the boundaries within and around the sex industry are more unclear today than they were before.
2: The pervasive myth that there are networked, organized rings of people, right, selling children uh, and like suburban white girls into sex slavery has been um a national fixation since the white slave panic of the 19 you know the 19th century and the early progressive era right you know the this resulted in the man act or the the white slave law of 1910 yeah. um, and i mean historians agree and historians in the future talking about the period that we are in will agree right, that that is not happening, right? You're not seeing people being kidnapped by strangers and sold into sex slavery. What you are seeing is already established members of these communities committing sexual violence uh, to the, the vulnerable people in their community, right? Children are absolutely being sexually exploited. They're not being exploited by immigrants. They're not being exploited by trans people. They're being exploited by their coaches and their youth ministers and their, uh, <laughs> you know, their their fathers in many cases. And we are so unwilling, I think, to look at the shadows in our own home, in our own community. That want we want to create these external monsters, right? These scapegoats that we can pour all of our anxieties onto. And so we demonize sex workers, right? We demonize trans people, we demonize immigrants, right? And we pretend that we are uh, hunting these people, right? For the protection of our own children. But we are unwilling actually to look at uh, the people who are hurting our own children because we are in community with those people. and that, I think, is the sort of, like, foundational issue under so much of what it is that we do. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, that does. Um, I definitely do think it's a lot easier to, I mean, like, as you say, like, just to demonize, you know, the other um when it comes to these kind of issues um but i also think it's a lot easier for people to like just want to like punch the bad guy um without like without like trying to like understand like you know like legislation and like how like immigration like plays into all of this and those kind of like systemic factors they just want to like we gotta like get the bad guy right because
2: like if what we're trying to do is stop the violence right then punching the bad guy doesn't achieve that yeah what does achieve that is getting whoever it is that the bad or that the bad guy is punching um an alternative place to sleep and eat and get their needs met outside of this person's coercive control or influence, right? Like having more safe spaces for more people to go, right? You wanna stop people under the age of 18 from selling sex. We need more youth shelters with no questions asked, right? We need more places for young people, vulnerable young people to go uh, when they can no longer stay in their home because home can be a really scary place for a lot of people. And we need to have We need to live in a shared reality where we can acknowledge that.
0: Being Christian myself and growing up in a conservative, Republican, evangelical household, my views and opinions on sex as a profession and an industry are complicated nonetheless. What I do know is that talking to Caitlin was eye-opening to me about who is able to throw the money in, who has no choice but to do the dance in society. If you enjoyed our conversation too, I hope you'll vibe with me in part two, while I'll be exploring a more hands-on sector of the great sex institution. If you're looking to replace underwear you've had since you were a wee high school freshman that aren't very fresh anymore, or are looking into more sustainable options without paying $90 for various shades of brown, Parade has got you covered in all the right places. Available in sizes extra small through 5X, Parade's underwear is made of soft, breathable, and recycled fabrics that are good for the environment and look great on any body starting as low as $8 and in so many different colors and patterns outside of sad beige. Join the parade today and save 20% off your purchase when you use code SUMMERORBANWRIGHTS at checkout. Distributed by Spotify for podcasters. Soso is edited, produced, and hosted by me, Summer Orban. A special thanks to Caitlin Bailey for being a part of the you can find more about Caitlin and her work at oldproseonline.org about. Be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps out the show. Don't forget to subscribe to and download SoSo wherever you find your podcast, so you never miss a new episode. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.